<laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Do worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the word that you have for your precious family here at Heart of the Bay. You've got sons and daughters that you want to really touch tonight and bring hope, bring peace, bring direction. Some of us need correction, but it's always good. And we love you for it in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. We have experienced such an awesome series couple of series. The first series was on faith on Wednesday nights that pastor ministered. And by now, you should be able to finish off this phrase. The spirit of faith is the spirit of? Victory. Wow. Some of us got it. Let's try that again. The spirit of faith is the spirit of? Victory. victory. That, we heard that over and over, teaching for weeks and weeks and weeks on faith and the spirit of faith. So you should be able to finish this one off as well. I believe, therefore I have? Spoken. Amen. We believe and therefore we speak. These are just things, scriptures that Pastor drilled over and over. And I so appreciate the series on faith. Beloved, the just shall live by faith. I don't care who you are. You need faith to live. You need faith to die. You need faith to go across town. You need faith to stay. You need faith to move. You need faith to stay still. You need to, faith to, to stay at a job. You need faith to go to another job. You need faith for everything. You need faith to go to school. Amen. Is that right? You need faith to get married. <laughs> you need faith to be a good dad. You need faith to stay. Say that, sister. You need faith to stay married. She said that too readily, sister. That was my wife saying she needs a lot of faith. Pray for her. She needs a lot of faith to stay married. I'm sorry I'm such a trial, honey. Anyway, but now we're, we're in a series on... On seasons and times, and Pastor did two segments on that. And if you turn to Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one through three, it says, "Everything has its time, and to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up." I'm really excited about seasons, especially because seasons aren't permanent, especially if you're going through a bad. Remember, he, one of the things he said is seasons are temporary. <laughs> Thank God seasons come to an end. Praise God. There's a term. But also last week he ministered on you don't don't leave a season empty handed. Hallelujah for that. Well, you know, putting those two things together, seasons and faith, I woke up uh, actually Monday and the Lord put a real strong word in my, in my heart. And I had forgotten that Pastor Nancy, you ministered on this word, you know, so, uh, about a month ago. Pray, she ministered a message entitled, Patience Has Brought Me Favor. And uh, I, I'm not kidding you. I, I seek the Lord about what to stand up here and preach about I, or teach about. I really do. And this is what he put in my heart. So evidently, he wants to emphasize this for us tonight. We might come at a different side of the angle. Do you know what? The title of the message tonight is, wait a minute. Let's talk patience. <laughs> That's the title tonight. So I'm going to say that again. Wait a minute. Let's talk patience. You've heard people, a lot of ministers says, I've got five keys to help you develop your patience. Well, in my case, I have five P's to help you develop patience. Somebody should chuckle at least. That was a, I got five P's for you. Anyway, let's, let's look a little bit uh, at, a, at a few scriptures before we get into the meat of the, our message tonight. Hebrews chapter six, uh, 10 and verse 36. And look what we see in scripture. It says, For you have need of patience. 
that after that you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Did you see that? I wonder if you don't have patience, what happens? Will you receive, question, will you receive the promises if you don't have patience? And evidently not. The scripture says that we have need of patience so that then we can receive the promise. Look at Hebrews 6.12. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit what? The promises. So it's not, it's not good enough just to know about faith. You have to also exercise patience. Uh, one minister said that faith and patience, they're the power twins. They work together. Friends, if you're going to accomplish anything in life and be satisfied and watch the rich promises of God come to pass in your life, it's going to take, somebody say the P word, patience. What's the title of our message tonight? Wait a minute! Let's talk patience. Let's look at one more scripture. Oh, uh, let me read this little sentence here. Patience is a key component in the kingdom of God. Without it, people can't experience God's best. If you don't have patience, you are. God will bless you as much as He can. But without patience, you cannot, He cannot guarantee you His best. And we're going to find out why in a bit. But really, God's best, not only for your life, but God's best for His kingdom. Your victory doesn't just affect you, it affects the people around you. Amen. Marvelous testimony about how East Bay Faith Center at the time, then Heart of the Bay Christian Center, developed their faith and we, we built this building. You heard the testimony on Sunday, it was a marvelous testimony. And then we left that building there in the hands of the school district. Thank God they bought it from us. And then we came over to this building. But it was so exciting to hear that Pastor went and visited uh, last week and there's church going on over there. Hallelujah. The word is still going forth. Now, see, there's a whole congregation where the word is still going forth. But see, our victory helped to become somebody else's. Come on, help me. Somebody else's victory. Amen. What a blessing. We ought to thank God for that. But you see... Patience is important for you to get those promises under the belt, if you will, because it's not only important for you, but it's important for the people that will follow behind you or around you. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Look at James chapter 1, verse 4 in the Amplified Bible. And I like this scripture. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play. You ever been to a baseball game that was interrupted? We're going to be going into the playoffs. Yeah, uh, the rain starts to fall and go, oh, time out. I was actually at a ball game once. I guess it was at the Giants where, where I don't know, uh, some people threw things on the field and the wind began to blow. I don't know, the balloons, papers, whatever. And they had to stop the game to get the crew to go out there and pick up all this crazy stuff that had blown over out onto the field. An interruption. And you see, so they had to stop the play. Some of us have had the unfortunate uh, experience of going out to a ball game and sitting in the rain, and some people waited two hours, and then they finally started to play a game, and then it was, somebody say it, rained out. Whoa. That stopped the play, and everybody had to go home, and you're all upset, like, Ben, I can't believe this happened, what a bummer. <laughs> Friends, unless you use patience, 
Patience is supposed to have its full play. Let it play all the innings of your life. Boy, we're really in baseball tonight, huh? I'll try to get off it, huh? <laughs> I'll go over here. Reuben likes baseball. You have to have patience. Let patience run all the innings of your life. All the way to the end. Hallelujah. Full play. And watch this. And do a thorough work. So patience does work, doesn't it? So that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. Boy, this is rich. We could be there for two weeks. But how many of you have, have ever been to places like Ross? Or am I the only one? You go to Ross, you know, and you say, wow, I saw this, these socks at Macy's for like $25 and they're only like $3 at Ross or DD's discounts. Yeah. Am I right? You're like, wow, this is awesome. And then you pull them around and you're like, dude, what's this? And then there's a little, there's a little sticker on there that says that, that this may have blemishes. <laughs> Seconds and blemishes. <laughs> Reject. Irre- yeah. Say it, Pastor Nancy. Irregulars. <laughs> Irregulars. I'm like, what is that? I mean, you know, and you know, I don't know about you. Am I the only one to try to save a nickel every once in a while? I would buy those things and then I'd try to convince myself that this is okay. I could save 20 bucks, just pay $3 at Ross or Dee Dee's discounts. And you put those on and then the toe sticks out real far or something. It doesn't quite, you know, or you have to, you know, you've made do by saying, okay, so the waist was a little wrong. So you, you just wear them a little lower, you know, like you just try to make it work. You just push them down and, and try to make these pants work. But they're irregular. They're blemishes. Everybody say seconds. <laughs> and sometimes, it, well, not sometimes, it takes patience to not end up with blemished and seconds and leftovers. God did not, call, now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wearing Didi's discount stocks. Because tell you the truth, I'm wearing a pair right now that I went through the whole bin and I found one that was pretty nice it might have said that but it, it was pretty good but the other ones the, it was fraying and fine. it was kind of bad but anyway I just wanted to help some of you feel a little better if you went to the bargain bin hey I go to the bargain bin too but it's better be right you know <laughs> but the thought is this patience helps you to not make do in life now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little story and then a couple of anecdotes before we get into the meat of the message. And that is, there's a, there's a little story I have about the car that was not quite the car that was not quite similar to your story, but mine's a little twist. You know, it was one of those irregular cars, one of those blends. I was in Kansas my first year of college. Actually, that's not true. Yeah, it was my first year of college was in Kansas. Believe it or not, I I went to Kansas for college. What in the world are you doing there? Never mind. Don't go there. But the, I needed a car. So this car was re- in my price range. And a friend said, hey, my dad's got this car. And I went to see this car. And I was really, really excited. I think it was like 500 bucks. <laughs> this is a 1980-something, you know, early 80s. So anyway, the car ran, except it had two little problems. It didn't go into second gear. <laughs> <laughs> and and it didn't go in reverse. 
So it was a standard transmission, and it didn't go into second, and it didn't go into reverse. And listen, because it was in my... I feel like I'm at Didi's discount. Uh, listen, I actually played it around in my mind of how... You know, a college kid. I wonder how I... It would be... Okay, I could never... If I were to drive this car, I, I'd, I'd always be revving first gear. And then finally get it to third. Thank God we got to third gear. And then you don't want to stop for nobody. I mean, tell me the truth. You're just going to keep it rolling. Try to avoid all the stoplights. But the other thing was, you, if you're going to stop that car, you never, you never go someplace where somebody can park in front of you. Because you can't go in reverse. And, and then I start playing it in my mind. But supposing somebody does. Oh, what a bummer. Okay, I always have tennis shoes in the car in case I have to push it back. So you push it. And then you got to run back and put the brake. How many of you know that's make do? How many of you think, okay, let's, let's see. How many of you think I bought that car? Okay, several. Okay, how many thought I almost bought that car? How many thought I actually bought it? Well, I didn't. I didn't buy it. I think I had enough sense like, I don't know. Even a college kid, I was going like, I'm not so cool. And you know why? Friends, look at Not quite is not right. That goes for a marriage partner. That goes for a job. That goes for a church. That goes for, for a house, a contract you're about to... Not quite. If you don't feel it, if it isn't right in your spirit, somebody say it. Not quite is not right. That's it. And how, and how about this one for a little saying? This will help some of you. Uh, make do won't do. Everybody say that. Make do won't do. Unfortunately, being humans as we are, and part of the human experience, which I'm a human being too, at least I thought I was, um, we sometimes become impatient for God's best, right? So I'm, we're going to talk about patience tonight in a slightly different thing, but rather than Define patience with all the words that you and I know good and well. We don't know a thing about it or not as much as we should because, quite frankly, real patience is really hard to find on planet Earth. I, I mean, people are so impatient. It's modeled to us in our families, in our jobs, in so many different places. Not this job. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's really hard. I mean, it's very rare to find. I mean, when you walk down the street, do you see diamonds on the street all the time? I don't think so. <laughs> Do you find a winning lotto ticket, Chris, on the street every day? No, I didn't think so. It's real rare to find somebody that's patient. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to define patience by what it is not. Okay? So we're going to look at actually the definition of impatience. Are you ready? Everybody ready for this? All right. Here we go. Here we go. Not willing to wait for someone or something. Not willing to wait. So you see that waiting has something to do with it, doesn't it? Want, wanting or eager to do something without waiting. So there you go again, waiting. Whether it's buy something or do something or join something. Showing that you do not want to wait. How many of you are seeing the theme here? Showing that you do not want to wait. And then of course the secondary thing is showing a lack of patience. How about this? Restless. Short of temper, especially under irritation, delay, opposition. All right, let's talk about some things where we have to wait. Okay, let's start with uh, you call the phone company or the 
I don't know, the DMV, and you're on, you hear that lousy eleva- elevator music, and you're on there for like three hours. How many you know that, how does that feel to you? <laughs> that, that, that's way, okay, let's go to a more elementary, you didn't like that one. Okay, uh, how about a stoplight? How many of you know the longest stoplight that you ever go to? Like, we're here on Winton and Hesperia, and you go there like, Really? <laughs> Really? Sometimes I flick the lights. I really think that does something. Or maybe if you saw that, blow it, kind of like Karina, Karina, blow the light. Stop lights. It seems like some lights are forever. Sorry, I see some policemen in the house. Please, I I do stop at the lights. But you know, what does that do? Listen, especially when you're late and it's just like that. Come on, hurry up already. And then the light changed and the person in front of you is doing their nails. And you're late for a very important date. <laughs> and, and what is that thing on the inside of you? What is that? Impatience. That's a lack of patience. So I think we all, we've experienced that. Or if you're that unhappy, if you happen to be the unfortunate driver that was working on your nails, sorry ladies, at the stoplight, and then you have been the unfortunate recipient of... And then they go around you staring at you like that. <laughs> Impatience, it's all around us. You know what I'm talking about, is that right? Or how about this, the light barely changes and they're going, and on you right away. Impatience, we have an impatient society. So look, look at this. In a bird's eye view, patience involves time and attitude. Right? Time and attitude, waiting. Well, this is really, really interesting. We're supposed to follow after patience are the way that we handle ourselves over time, the attitude over time. First Timothy 6.11 says this. Oh, well, I'll just put it this way. Let me tell you something about how we're supposed to act when, when we're supposed to exercise patience and follow after it. First Timothy 6.11 says we're supposed to follow after it, speaking of patience. Luke 21.19 says that we're supposed to possess our souls by it. Galatians 5.22 says that it's a fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering is also translated patience. First Peter, Second uh, Peter one six says that we're supposed to add it to our faith. It's one of the things of the faith additives. Luke eight fifteen says that we're supposed to bring forth fruit with it. With what? Somebody say patience. Hebrews twelve one says that we're supposed to run our race. With it. Is that right? Let me read that. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with the race that is set before us. James 5 7 says that we're supposed to wait for the Lord's coming with it. We're supposed to have patience as we wait for the coming of the Lord. And then, of course, Revelation 14 12 says that God's going to showcase the patience of the saints before all heaven. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Friends, in closing this little barrage of scriptures, 10, Hebrews 10.36 says that we're supposed to receive promises by it. Make do, won't do. We have got to use patience. So is patience important, you think? You think we ought to look into it a little bit more again tonight? All right, let's look at the first P. Remember, we had five, not keys, but P's. <laughs> five P's of patience. We probably won't get through all of them, but let's see how far we can get tonight. What do you say? Everybody ready? The first P, actually, this, this one comes in a pair of P's. And the first one is think, plant, 
like a plant and think process. Mark 4, verse 26 through 29, Jesus explains what the kingdom of God is like. He goes on to say that the kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed into the ground and he should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring up and grow, but he doesn't know how. Now that we're talking about a plant right here, obviously, right? For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that, the full corn in the ear. Friends, that's the process. Okay, the process. Things take development. It takes a little thing, gets a little bit bigger, gets a little bit bigger, and then finally it comes to full maturity. Amen? Amen. So there's the blade in the ear, full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest is Come Now, I'm going to read a little something from the Living Bible. I don't know. I know there's a new Living Bible. I don't know if it's going to work. But I just want to say a little phrase uh, that's from verse 26. And it says that a farmer sowed his field, 20, uh, field in verse 27, went away. And as the days went by, the first thing to understand about patience and is that there is a process in life. We must learn that God ordained that there should be a passage of time for things to develop. Sometimes we get very impatient with that. Every time that people try to rush thing, rush the process, I'll tell you what, let's, is dad LASIK here? Let's get these tomatoes and let's put them with hormones and let's cross them over with that. Let's get a tomato in three days. Rather than the normal way, put it in good soil and let the sun, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And they start to genetically alter what God created. Now, I'm not here to talk against genetically altered foods, otherwise known as GMO. Genetically modified organisms. But if you do a little study on your own, you will find that many times when you eat that, your body doesn't know what to do with it. It's not the same. Things that are synthesized by man and tampered by man don't always uh, work in concert with how the Creator made it. Are you understanding this? So, the thing about... The thing about the culture in which we live, we're trying to get faster and faster and faster. We don't want to harvest in 30 days. We want it in 20 days. We don't want to. And then the next year, we don't want it in 20 days. We win the prize. We want it in five days. Uh, let me let me just sh- share with you something. There is a race going on where people we are trying to uh, not we as a church, but I'm saying we as mankind are trying to cut the processing time. Shorter and shorter. You cannot grow up a human being and have them be mature in two days. It takes time to develop. You have to go through the process. And with that, I'm going to skip down to something about, well, there's childhood development. Lord, help me. Friends, here's a thought. I am astounded sometimes at how we treat children. As some some places, they treat children the moment they just barely got into preschool, and they're trying to get college prep immediately. College prep, you know. Let's get these let's get these formulas in them, you know. Equations, you know. Oh, they've got not only the alphabet and English, but they go five foreign languages, and they're just three. They're just they're just really. 
pushing this thing about maturing. The Friends, did you know that there's different maturation rates in boys than there are in girls? Sometimes the boy, well, I, I'm not an educator, but I've read a little bit. And I know that some, some boys like mathematics and that, it doesn't really click in. They're more interested in going outside and playing, hello, than quadratic equations, excuse me. And the girls, God bless them, they get it all. Like they're a little more ahead of us and they, they know how to spell these uh, gargantuan words and they can do math faster. But the boys, Paul, I'm sorry, we're out there playing with things and getting our fingernails dirty. Help me out a little bit, Paul. And so then they put a label on us, you're EDD. <laughs> you're going to have to go to the special class. Hey, we mature at different times. There's a season. And uh, uh, developmental psychology will tell you that there's a certain period of time where all of a sudden the lights go on with guys. And all of a sudden they connect with intellectual formulas and things like that. But that has to do with maturation. That's a process that God put into place. Amen? So, And here's a thought. I think, I think the whole idea of making kids grow up too fast... I mean, really, I mean, I think playtime is important. We ought to let kids be kids. I mean, I'm just saying, we ought to let them play. Kids love to run around the playground. Let them play. Did you know that there are certain things about playing that they're learning social interaction? Dear Lord, let them play. Because if when, when else are they going to get to play? I don't know. Uh, and, and then we, go, we say things like, oh, they're so mature for their age. And then you're like, Really? I mean, it's not like, not like we should be childish or anything, like 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, put away childish things and all that. But even Jesus said, you should come and have simple faith as a child, didn't he? So I have a little word for you. We, we need to let our kids be kids, sure, instill the love of God, but there's something very precious. I'm going to read this about kids in Matthew 18, 3. She could put it up there for you. Thanks so much for helping us tonight. I really appreciate it. Let, let your inner child out. <laughs> Simple trust, loving, lowliness of mind, loving and forgiving attitudes. That's how kids are. Just like they just, let's go out and play. Okay. Oh, you hurt me. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Let's play again. Just, it's just so simple. They don't keep a long list and, you know, come up with as the world turns and episodes of how to get back to Aunt Sally at her. It says, Jesus said this. And said, truly, I say to you, unless you repent and change and turn about and become like little children, trusting, lowly, loving and forgiving, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven at all. So you see that there's something beautiful about the innocence of kids. I mean, somebody said amen. That's in there for free. So anyway, so it takes time. Thank you, Pastor Nancy. It takes time for some things. Now, here's the thing. We live in a weightless society. Wouldn't you wish that I was spelling W-E-A-E-I-G-H-T? That means, you know, overweight. That's not what I'm talking about. I say weight. I made up my own word tonight. Is that all right? Weight and W-A-I-T dash less. Weightless. In other words, we don't know how to wait. We're trying to create a society that doesn't wait. Check this out. Um, it's, I'm going to just a little, read a little something. It's never been easy to be patient, uh, but it's probably harder now than at any time in history. In a world where messages and information can be sent across the world instantly, everything is available with only a few, few clicks of the mouse. Fortunately, patience is a virtue that can be cultivated and nurtured over time. You will, yeah, that's an interesting one. I want it now. You will be pleasantly surprised by how relaxation and peace of mind can impact the quality 
of your life. Now, before I get into some of these facts, let me tell you something. It is more important who you are becoming during a journey than the destination. Let's get there. I don't know if you caught that. It's more important for you who you are becoming, interacting with the people God has brought into your life, using the gifts and releasing your faith, who you became in the process, than just having a goal immediately met. Well, let me, so, so with that, let's go into this. The concept of waiting. <laughs> that was funny. Okay, so, so the question is, why wait if we don't have to? See, it's getting to the place where it, we, there are some things you don't have to wait anymore. But you have to make a choice to be like the slow skis sometimes. <laughs> do you remember who the slow skis are? I mean, there are some things you do not have a choice. Like, it is, it is the speed that it is. But there are other things that everybody thinks that they're really being faster. Because, like, sometimes writing a note is more effective. You know, than jotting something else. I mean, there's something about the written page. Anyway, something about reading from a book. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. My, I, I have a family member that loves paper. They, they get a new book and go, ah, paper. Right about then I put down my electronics. Okay, moving right along. But slow roasted meat. Mmm. You know, when you go to the restaurant and the meat just falls off the bone, it's just like full of flavor, like, ah. Oh. And then you try to cook that at home and it's like rubber, boing, boing, boing. It's like, you mean you can't throw it in the microwave and it would be the same? Or you could just kind of fry it on the pan? No, folks, they put it in that oven and it, and it roasts slow all day long. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Slow roasted. I started cooking with a slow cooker. Man, what a difference. The flavor. Anyway, here's an excerpt from how, fa- how Fast Could You Travel Across the U.S. in the 1800s. This is by Michael Graham Richard. Today we shrug off the convenience of law. Lo- Everybody still with me here? I hope I'm not going too fast. Today we shrug off the convenience of long-distance travel as part of life. But it wasn't that long ago that simply getting there required a huge investment of time and money. The experience of traveling can, uh, can often feel frustratingly slow, but despite the traffic jams on the roads and congested airports, we don't know how good we have it today compared to our great, great grandparents. Indeed, in this age of instant digital communications and all this fast travel, we tend to forget that not so long ago, traveling distances were subjectively very different. In the 1800s, for example, traveling a few hundred miles across the U.S. meant taking a steam-powered train on a trip that could take days. Going from coast to coast, which now takes less than a day, could take weeks. Now, you got to put yourself, can you just, can we put the way back machine? We get, we're in color now, let's go back to black and white. Okay, go to black and white. Everybody go black and white. Flick the lights a little bit. So the best way, Graham says, that I've found to understand how fast one could travel across the country in those simpler days, but slower times, was these maps from the 1932 Atlas of Historical Geography of the United States. All of the maps use New York City as the starting point on the East Coast and show how long it would take to move westward, westward across the country. So in early 1800s, you get, we're not even talking horse and buggy here, folks. We're talking a steam engine, right? 1800, it would take five weeks to get from New York to Illinois or Louisiana. Five weeks. 
Now that, some of you that don't know a lot, whole lot of ge- geography, kind of like me, <laughs> that's just one third of the way barely into the U.S. Barely, like, and that's it. Okay, barely. Five weeks of, seriously? When's the last time you spent five weeks traveling anywhere? No hands. Five, that's a month and a, and a week, for heaven's sakes. Traveling. All right, how about this? In, in mid-1830s, it took two weeks. Ah, we improved 30. In somebody's lifetime, it, it went from five weeks to two weeks to travel from New York to Illinois or Illinois. Still, when's the last time you guys were traveling for two weeks and a cruise doesn't count? <laughs> two weeks to go from here you know, to Arizona or something. I didn't think so. All right. Just think of this. And then in 1857, it took one week, one week to go from New York to Texas. So now we're going from, from the East Coast all the way to the middle of the United States. And it's only taking, it's taken one week, right? No, no, no. Did I say that? One week. And then, check this one out. It took four weeks to get from New York to California. So you're going coast to coast four weeks. Still, by today's standards, that's a whole lot of time, isn't it? Hang with me. There's a point to this. In 1930 and to present day, they've developed transportation, at least if you're taking trains, to where you can go from New York or from one coast to the East Coast all the way to California in three days. Three to four days. Now, I look this up on Southwest Airlines, and so could you. If I were to take flight 471 departing Oakland, California, right here, I could land at New York City's L.A. LaGuardia Airport with one stop. The, the trip takes me six hours and 45 minutes. Six hours and 45 minutes. Okay, but this isn't just about the fact that something that used to take five weeks or something now just takes six hours. It's what happened in that five weeks, in that six weeks. I'm asking you a question, friends. What happened? People got to talking. People got to sharing. People got to playing. Maybe they, you couldn't do it in stagecoach. It was like this. But on a train, you could pull out the cards and enjoy life a little bit. Guys, we need to learn how to slow down a little bit. Be more like Pastor Mark. Hallelujah. <laughs> we need to learn how to chill a little bit. I mean, you got to work hard, but you got to learn how to, somebody say chill. chill. We got to learn how to chill. I mean, what could happen? Parents, we need to learn how to enjoy our kids or, or, or husbands and wives. We need to learn how to enjoy life together. I mean, you're going to blink and dear Lord, life's going to go and it'll be gone. We need to learn how to enjoy one another. Like time passes like this. And it isn't just the goal of putting somebody through school. It isn't just the goal of, of going to work and building this house. It's like what's happening in the house. If I took a trip that took four weeks and I, and I took a trip with Brother Tony and we went for four weeks, there would be a lot of sharing and a lot of, we would challenge each other in the Lord. You know, there would be a lot of personal interaction going on. Dare I say a lot of deposits? Is that, can I say that? We knew how to be, they knew how to be human beings back then. They knew how to value personal interaction. Patience, it helps iron sharpens iron. Is that right? 
So it's really not about how fast you got there. It's who you became in the process as you went. Does everybody catch that? So I'm finding for real that the journey is just as if not more important than the destination. So, And it's not just the project, but it's the person. You know, in, in having this church built on this site... What all that has taken all of us together working on it, it isn't just that you walk in here and say, oh, there's a building here. Do you realize our faith grew as we exercised our faith? It isn't just that we paid a certain payment. Is We're all growing in our faith. We're all speaking the same thing. Somebody say amen. amen. We're believing together. We're understanding that debt freedom is God's way. And we're growing together. We're growing in the journey of the blessings of God together. We're all in the same gospel train. <laughs> is, is anybody having fun with this so far? So understand this. One of, the, one of the principles about process. Remember, we're looking at the plant, right? The plant and the process. Don't rush things. Take Let let due process happen. Don't try to rush and be grow, grow up faster than you have to. If you're in school, enjoy it. If you're single, enjoy it. Believe God. For, if you want to get married, praise God. He'll bring you the mate. But you are not going to jump out and do something that's going to jeopardize and make do. But God's going to bless you with someone that will be a blessing to you. Somebody said amen. Amen. So let's see what we have. So we're talking here about waiting on the Lord. You know, I mean, I'm a human being too. I have to, I have to wait. And, and basically, let me just read a couple of scriptures to you. Is that right? You don't have to put it up there. If you do, that's fine. Psalm 25, 4 through 6. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait two minutes. <laughs> what? Did I read that wrong? On you I wait two minutes. Oh, all day. Think about that. When is the last time, on, especially on important decisions, that you just laid them out before God? Something really important. This is important to you. This is really, really important. So you don't just give it two seconds. You just lay it out before God. You know, you lay it out before him and you wait on him. See, they didn't have a, David didn't have a problem doing that. He didn't have anything else. Nobody else is going to be able to solve the problem for him. I think we need to learn how to wait on God. Let me just, I'm going to skip down up there, Linnell. I'm going to go to Psalm 106 and verse 13. Let me read a few scriptures for you. Psalm 106, 13, and the King James says, They forgot his works, and they waited not for his counsel. I know what it's like to feel like if you have to be pressured to make a decision, and you make one, it costs you $25,000, or it costs you $200,000. I know what that's like. Has anybody else know what it's like to make a $36,000 mistake because you felt like you were pressured to do this? Wow, there's, a, there's two problems I've seen in life. One is not having money. Like, dude, we need some money here. But the other problem is having money. You know, like you have this whopper chunk of money. Like, what am I going to Okay, I'm going to sow here and sow there. But what do I do with this? And then all of a sudden, all the slick operators show up and want you to invest in their multi-level marketing thing. <laughs> or they want to they lose it for you. Friends, when you got something really important, you need to learn how to seek God's counsel. Say God's counsel. God's counsel. 
And you don't have to rush into anything. I know that I have the pastoral endorsement in this. God doesn't pressure anybody. You get to that car lot and that guy's really putting the squeeze on you to hurry up and buy it now. It's on sale. You got to get it now. It's never going to go on sale again. You're going to lose it. Like, take a chill pill. I don't think so. If you went to Financial Peace University, you know what you have to do. Walk away from the car and nobody gets hurt. Walk away from the car. You gave them your best offer. They don't want to accept it. They want to jack. Oh, I guess you come over here. So you walk away, right? Yes. Learn to walk away. I thought I'd get a little amen from the amen corner. <laughs> but look at that's counsel. Psalm 106, 13 in the God's world translation says they quickly forgot what he did and they did not wait for his advice. I wonder if God's advice is more important than CNN. We've got to wait. Wait. Patience. But it didn't get there fast. You can't be pressured. Should I retire? Shouldn't I? Should I take that job? Should I sign this contract? You know, it's like this. There's, there's, there's another problem. It's kind of like the one with money. Not having any job offers or having 10 and they all look good. I mean, think about it. If, I mean, if you said, God, I need a job. In Jesus' name, I believe I receive. And then one job showed up, and it looked pretty good. You go, Lord, is that okay? That looks pretty good. It's one job. I mean, that's easy, right? But is life that easy sometimes, friends? Sometimes four job offers, five offers will come in. You're like, whoa. Uh, wait a minute. I'm seeing triple here. <laughs> you need God's advice. You need His leading. Amen. But it takes waiting. I don't know how to tell you this, but, you know, sometimes we like to substitute one thing with another thing. We like to substitute. I know what I'll do. I'll just praise the Lord. 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 Okay. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. That one. Not enough praising yet. No problem. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Did we praise the Lord enough? No more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Guys, it takes time. Yeah. It takes time. Get quiet before the Lord. <laughs> You know, sometimes, uh, I don't know, we try to substitute things for, for others. In this case, when you're looking for direction, you've got to wait on the Lord. But there's another thing that I really want to do this. Psalm 106, 13 in the Amplified Bible. Look at this one. I love this one because it has to do with patience, especially as the plant. Remember we talked about the plant and the process? But they hastily forgot his works. They did not earnestly wait for his plans to do what? Say that real loud. To develop his plans to develop. I'm telling you right now, God loves you. He's got plans that he's already laid for you. You can't see them, but they're there. There are people, places, and things that God has put and readied for you in your future and in your day. You are in a season of God's favor. And it is developing. It's coming to pass. It's unfolding. But friends, it doesn't always happen in one day. Sometimes, thank God for suddenly. But in my little life, I found out that many things take a process of time. We go from one degree of glory to 
another. One degree of strength to another degree of strength. One degree of finances to another degree. We learn how to operate in faith. We learn how one degree of love to another degree of love. One degree of responsibility to another degree. It's by measure. Everybody said amen. These people did not wait for his plan to develop. Think about that. Let's look at it in the New International Version. Another, another way that they looked at it. They, this is New International Version, Psalm 106, verse 13. Everybody okay? But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to do what? Un. Fold. Everybody say unfold. Have you ever seen a rose unfold? Like it, you, you first you get it and it's all like tight. Got that thing like this. But then you know you cut the stem, this and that, and you put it in water, and then boop, oh, something's happening, and then it begins to go like this, real slowly, like right, and then it opens up, and all of a sudden it opens up, and what do you have? You have the rose. You have the full manifestation, the fragrance, the color, the hue, the glory. There is a certain degree of glory in a rose. Amen, somebody? And so, here's a thought. Like a plant, listen carefully now. There, and I'm about to close. It's all right. I didn't get through everything, but that's okay. We got through two of the five. We'll pick it up some other time. Like a plant, there are God-ordained processes that take time. And if God doesn't sanction a rush job, then take your time. Like what my wife said to me when once we were planning a Christmas program and that. And there was a house that was uh, along Llewellyn Boulevard that they had just painted. I think it was that yellow one, which actually now I think is a hotel. I think they tore it down and now it's the Hilton. But it was, a, it seemed to be, you know, a fairly older house that was painted quite beautifully. And we were conversing in that. And she, she noticed this beautiful paint job. She went, <gasps> and she was just marveling at how beautiful that house looked. And I was on the way. I'm not sure. What, maybe we were on the way to Western Christian Bookstore. So I don't know. We were, on, we were talking about uh, a Christmas program. And she interrupted the conversation. She go, oh, look at that house. How beautifully done. And then I... <clears throat> being goal-oriented, <laughs> said, could you please keep focus? We're talking about the Christmas program or something. And then she, also being wise as she is, she looked at me and she said, you really need to learn how to stop and smell the roses. <laughs> because I was intense about the Christmas program. But she was right. <laughs> you know, it's not just the project. It's along the way, there's going to be a rose or two. You know, can can I just help you with something? When you come to church, I realize that one of your goals is to get to church and get the best seat, right? Get a good, comfortable seat so that you could see and hear and feel comfortable. But you know what? Coming to church, there's other people along the way, like the person sitting next to you or or the person you ran over in the foyer to beat them to that chair. Friends, there are roses along the way. We need to stop and partake of the joy of what's happening right now. I think of how precious you are. I have so many precious friends in this room right now. The fragrance of Christ is all over you. I've seen 
the goodness and the generosity and the kindness. I see history. I see I see faith. I, I see encouragement. I, I look, I scan throughout the room, and it's like God's roses all over the place. And if all I think, I got to get to church, hurry up, there's my chair, I'm going to sit down. Oh, it's 6 o'clock, it's 6 o'clock, I got to mention that and start preaching. Okay, okay, amen. Uh, Stand up, let's take an offering, let's go. <laughs> really? <laughs> Instead of dinner time being, let's shove these sandwiches down that, down that. Kids, shut up and eat. Chew and swallow. Friends, how about what happened on the school ground? Let's, let's enjoy this a little bit. Let's, let's slam this sandwich down. Let's, can I have some more? Pass this. <laughs> dinner time should be one of the most ple- How about, I think we should start having tea together. You know, people would actually, Pastor Nancy, people would sit down and have a cup of tea. Uh Oh, how are you, dear? (laughs) Marvelous afternoon, wouldn't you say, dear? Mm, Marvelous. (laughs) Three o'clock in the middle of the day. Isn't the Lord good, Brother Reuben? Mm, Have a sip of tea. (laughs) Say, pass the cream, would you? We have to enjoy life a little bit. Stop and enjoy the beautiful smile on those kids' faces. Watch a kid where they make up the craziest stories and it makes you laugh. We need to laugh. We need to enjoy the journey. We have a good God. We've got to let him. Why should we worry and fret and... And okay, in closing, I would say this because I'm not going to hold you much longer. And I, I figured this might be a two-parter. But remember the definition of impatience. Why on earth should we go about not willing to wait for anything? You know, uh, restless, short-tempered. Hurry up and move. we're going to have to wait for the red lights we're going to have to wait at the DMV we're going to have to wait at the grocery store you're going to have to wait how many of you go across the bridge (laughs) I don't know how this if the span is any better on the Bay Bridge now than you know with the new part open or not but there's a big you know backup those of you that have to drive in traffic there's waiting you know get creative Uh, put a message by Pastor Mark on or put some music on and start praising the Lord better yet put this message on make you patient (laughs) Be patient with the process. It's all going to be all right. See, here's a thought. God is working. He's got some promises that He's fulfilling for you. And He's using other people and other places and things to bless you. And if you're patient and you wait graciously, you'll see everything will fall into place. Father, I thank You for Your Word.